Hello and welcome back to this week's episode on the Personal Finance Podcast. The 15th episode is coming right up. Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of the Personal Finance Podcast. Please be sure to follow the Personal Finance Podcast Instagram at Personal Finance Podcast ED as well. You can also follow the Twitter page for updates on the podcast at Personal Finance on Twitter. All right, now let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, we'll be talking about what you need to know when purchasing a new car. I will share some helpful tips on what types of different cars they are and other helpful tips and tricks you should know when purchasing a car. When purchasing a car, you may want to make sure that you're getting everything. It's important as you may be buying a new or used car. In Canada, there are more than 35 different car brands available. Nowadays, you see a lot of people driving common cars like Toyota, Honda, BMW, Tesla, Mercedes, and many other brands too. When it comes to the luxurious cars, many people go with a used option as they may may save more money. But many people also buy a brand new car as they would get as they would have to make less repairs. For example, if a BMW costs hundred thousand dollars brand new, and you get a used one from for eighty five thousand to ninety five thousand dollars, so. You may be saving some money there. Now let's talk about some more things you should be aware of when buying a car. So know who you who to trust. There are many scams and different things going on when buying an old car. For someone cause, someone could cause you many problems. So always be sure to check the car in the daytime to see if there are any scratches or other damages. You should also check to see if the bumpers on the car are aligned in place. If not, this means that the car was probably in a collision. And also, you would want to make sure that take the car to service Ontario. And you'd want to make sure that when you're taking the car over to service Ontario and it's going under your name, you want to make sure that that person has paid that car loan on the car and the f- car is fully paid off. Otherwise, that loan would go under your name and you would be paying his loan, which is a really bad thing because essentially you would have a lot of payments to make. And number two is the price. So when buying a newer used car, you always want to make sure that you're getting the right price, which is not too high and out of your budget. To make sure you're getting the right price, you should check websites that give you the estimated price of a new or used vehicle. This will help you get the general idea of the pricing. For example, if a website you can use to see this is unhaggle.com, this website gives you the quote of a price and what you should pay for for a new or used car from the dealership. This will help you get a general idea of the price of the prices in the market. So, for example, in that app, basically what they'll do is they'll um, you search up the vehicle make, model, and year, and then they'll tell you to put in your email so they can send you the exact quotes. Now, the third thing is monthly payments, bi-weekly payments. When you purchase a car, you have to be aware of your bi-weekly payments and whether or not you can fit them into your current budget. For example, normally a bi-weekly payment of a car would be between $100 to $1,000 depending on the car you buy, you know, so $100 being the least luxurious car and $1,000 being the most luxurious car. So these would be bi-weekly payments. So if your car costs $100, then your then your payments bi weekly it would be one hundred dollars. If it's more than that, then obviously it would increase like that. And then there are monthly maintenance expenses. Now this is very important when buying a car because you need to make sure that you're able to afford the winter tires for the car or others other things to pay the monthly maintenance costs that you need to maintain your car. And the fifth thing is insurance. Everyone buys insurance for their cars in order to keep their car safe and yourself safe from accidents that may occur in the road. 
When you get a new car, the insurance may rise if you're involved in an accident or careless driving, and even if the car is a luxurious, expensive car. Now, in today's current market, you may be wondering if it's good to buy a car, and the overall trend has been that more and more people are buying cars right now because they're seeing that they're not able to use public transit and other various ways of going out. So that has hindered their performance and they are not able to to really, you know, use public trans- transit anymore to go outside, which is, um, you know, something that I guess is fine. But recently prices have surged in many, many different markets and including including markets that, you know, if used and new car markets. So you need to be careful and it's hard to find more deals. Now, you should also look at a cash or car loan. So whether you're a young driver or you're someone getting their license later in life, affordability is probably the key factor in your purchasing decision. If you manage to save up enough cash or buy outright, that's good for you. That's not easy to do, but the advantage with that would be essentially if you buy it in cash, you essentially won't need to pay monthly installments other than the gas and the maintenance expense. But if you do a car loan, then, you know, it's debt basically because you're trying to pay off that in like a term. And recently, um, during this time, people are taking an 84 month term, which is basically seven years to pay off a car. You know, that's that's a long time. So. And also getting a financial, getting a car loan from most financial institutions takes time and requires a good credit score and evaluated report of your credit history. But having good credit isn't always possible and it can remove and uh, which is why it can remove an obstacle from getting a loan. And, you know, you can shop new or pre-owned. So let's talk about some of the pros that are there with buying brand new. So the pro is exclusive incentives and promotions are offered on brand new vehicles. And a con of that is depreciation hits you the hardest in the first year of ownership. So for example, if you buy a car that is $100,000, now as soon as you leave the shop, it's going to be worth less. Like you're going to instantly lose twenty dollars to $40,000 there because it depreciates. And another pro of the brand new vehicle is it offers reliability and peace of mind. And a con is you will usually need to get good credit rating to qualify for special promotions and offers. Now, the pro of a used and owned car is excellent deals and saving to be made on high-quality vehicles in the used car market. Con reliability concerns if you buy in a private sale since servicing and warranties are not included. And depreciation isn't as big of a concern because you would already know that. If you're buying a used car, it won't depreciate in value that much because it already has before. And you should just keep in mind that the resale value of that car wouldn't be too much, which is why you would be buying it in the first place to save money. And another con would be more maintenance uh, may be required for the vehicle since um, maintenance and cost, like since there, there might be more needed oil changes and other things. So because the car is old, right? So... You can buy a used car from three different websites if you're interested, but not exclusively. You can also buy a used car, privately car, and there's a long list of different online marketplaces that connect the buyers with private sellers, including Kijiji, Craigslist, Facebook 
Facebook Marketplace. Now, these are the three things, and there's also Instagram ads and Snapchat ads and other various platforms like Twitter as well, where you may see some ads. So again, you just need to be careful that the ad is legitimate, it's trustful. Now, if you decide to buy a brand new vehicle, it can only be done at one location, which is the dealership. So if you go down this path, you should try to do research on your make and model before going and get a general idea of what the different trim levels are and what's your plan over there to really buy it you know and enough from it and normally you might have to also pay an upfront partial payment usually about 10 percent of the purchase price and of course it's possible to get pre-approved with the down payment of the car and they would look at how much you can really pay based on your income now it's interesting that during this time many people are buying their own cars because they want to keep safe so if you buy if you buy a used vehicle um the condition you have to worry about the vehicle's condition and history also make sure that you're looking at the condition and history of the vehicle and and now you may be wondering how do you buy a vehicle as a first time buyer now if you're a first time young buyer in the market and you're interested in buying a car you know you may have graduated university or college and you may have gotten a degree and you're looking to do a job and you need to be in more independent well you should remember you should remember a few things or so even if you're an immigrant and then you quickly need a car to travel or whatever so you should remember if you have no credit card if you have no credit or credit card it will be difficult to get any lease or loan when you buy a car as a new arrival as there may be little to no credit history so that's why most people they build it up and it takes time for them to build it up and then they do it now insurance all drivers in ontario must legally have a valid insurance policy so as a new driver you know you need to look at this you need to shop around in the market or maybe even you you probably would want to put your name underneath your parents if you're between the age of 20 to 22 to 25 because if you did a loan, the rate would be extremely high and that would cause you to have a very, very high monthly car payment, which is not what you should want. And driver's license. If you've had a driver's license in your home country, then you might be eligible to fully exchange it or get a credit on it for your experience. So if you don't, then um, you'd have to take your G1 and then G2 and then G. So G2 will let you drive on the road and G, you'll have to take that as well. So now all this is necessary for you to buy a car in Ontario. So this is, you know, if you want to know more, you should do research online. And before doing anything, please be Please do your own due diligence and search. When buying a car, there are a number of things to consider where you want to buy a used car. Uh, and then you should always consider and look at your current financial situation. And that will help you decide whether it's a right time to buy a car for you or not. These are some helpful tips that you could use next time for buying a car. Or if you're ever buying a car and you needed some tips, well, here they are. These are some helpful tips of how to buy a car in Ontario and Canada. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Personal Finance Podcast. Please be sure to like this podcast and share it with others. There will be new episodes coming out. The 16th episode will be talking about an index fund. What is it and why it may be important for you. I'll also be making more podcast episodes about stock investing and how the market is reacting during this time. My 17th episode will also be about university and how you can save up for it and what resources are available to you during this process stick around for those two episodes in the next couple of weeks thanks for listening hello and welcome to the 17th episode of the personal finance podcast today 
In today's episode, we will be talking about an index fund. What is it and why it may be important and why you may want to invest your money and what are the disadvantages and advantages. All right, let's get straight into talking about what is an index fund. An index fund is a type of mutual fund or exchange traded fund, ETF, with a portfolio constructed to match or track the components of a financial market index, such as the Standard and Poor's 500 Index, S&P 500. An index fund, an index mutual fund is said to provide broad market exposure to low operating expenses and a low portfolio turnover. These funds follow their benchmark index regardless of the state of the markets. Index funds are generally considered ideal core portfolio holdings for retirement accounts, such as individual retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks accounts. Legendary investor Warren Buffett has recommended index funds as a haven for savings for the later years of life. Rather than picking out individual stocks for investment, he has said it makes more sense for the average investor to buy and sell all of the S&P 500 companies at the low cost and index fund offers. Now let's go to the key takeaways. So the key takeaways are is an index fund is a portfolio of stocks or bonds designed to mimic the composition of performance of a financial market index. Index funds have lower expenses and fees than actively managed funds, and index funds fo- follow a passive investment strategy, so you can make passive income, and index funds seek to ma- match the risk and return of the market on a theory that in the long term, the market will outperform any single investment. And, you know, that may be true depending on how the stock market asks acts over the years, but overall, it's sort of more of a long-term investment. It's not it's not like you're going to get a lot of money in the short term, but a lot of people hope that they will get money in the long run, which is good, right? It's it's building long-term wealth. And normally, this this is the way investors are able to diversify their income through index funds. All right, now let's talk about some of the benefits for why you should invest in index funds. There are three benefits of investing in an index fund. It is generally because it is able to outperform the market while also giving a good return on investment depending on the market. So that means that if you, for example, if you invest in the S&P 500, it might stay more steady as to one stock. So for example, one stock could go down or up in a day and an index fund would sort of stabilize at one point, which would be a better return on investment. And secondly, it is great for someone that is looking to build long-term wealth and grow their income passively over a long period of time. So, you know, essentially you could look at if you invested some money now in like an index fund, then maybe five years down the road, it would you would get be getting a good investment on return because you've put your money and hard-earned time into um, a good investment. And lastly, it can give a good percent of return on your investment in a yearly basis as you've invested in many companies, right? So if one company goes down, then the other may still be up or there are things that can easily support it, which is a good thing as to compare that as to compare to suppose you invest in Apple and Google and Apple and Google both go down, then your money's sort of going down. And those are individual stocks that can that can make you lose some profits then if that's the case. All right, let's talk more about some of the Canadian index funds. So there's two main types of Canadian index funds, and they are the Vanguard FTSE Canada All Cap Index ETF. And so that is an index fund index fund that gives you exposure to Canadian, the, to the Canadian small, medium, and large caps with a low fee. So it gives you exposure to the small, medium, and large market uh, with a fairly low managing fee. 
in terms of managing the portfolio. And there is another one called iShares Corp, and that's in the S&P TSX Capped Composite Index ETF. And that's an index fund that allows you to track Canada's best known index with a low fee as well. So overall, these things, you know, these two index funds are sort of the main ones that people invest in and people invest in or even if you search them up online, you should be able to find those and and do your own research to see um, how you want to invest in them. And so if you want to invest in them, you should know which market index you want to draw them from. So index funds mirror specific market indexes. So you have so you have to choose a number to choose from. And you also have to figure out how to decide how you'll buy your funds. Investing in index funds is pretty similar to investing in mutual funds or ETFs. And you also have to compare costs and always look at the risk and benefit in your own situation. That's why it's extremely important to be doing your research all the time and making a financial decision that is based on your picture. And, you know, you can buy index funds through a brokerage account or directly from an index fund provider. Um, you know, like, so for example, the Vanguard the Vanguard ETF. So you can directly buy that from Vanguard or you can get a diversified selection of securities in an easy way through a low cost investment, which is also good. And there are many brokerages out there in Canada as well that um, can help you manage your portfolios. There are many, many places that, um, you know, can help you diversify your portfolio. However, they might take some percent of what you get back. So like as a portfolio manager and, you know, now the real question is how much should you really be putting in an index fund? So, you know, let's, if we take a look at the S&P 500, um, let's take a look at the share price for that. So currently, uh, the share price for that is around $3,838.76. So this is, this is like, this would buy you one of the S&P 500 index funds, basically. So, you know, essentially you would want to have some money saved up for this. And that's why a lot of people look for long-term investment. So, you know, suppose you've saved around $5,000 and you buy one this year, for example, you know, you might want to buy another one in the next couple of months. It all depends. So most index funds require a minimum investment to buy, and it's typically anywhere from a dollar to $3,000. Now, for example, if we look at the iShares iShares S&P 500 stock, then that only costs $60.92 currently. However, the price may go up as the market is open currently. And you can see that these this price may be more affordable for people. You know, if you were to buy, if you were to buy like starting off by buying like 10, 10 of those ETFs, then, you know, it would be like $609.20 as to if you bought an, if, as to if you invested in the S&P 500, that would cost you a bit more. So, you know, you would want to really think about how much of a heavy investor you are and, you know, where you want to really put your money. You know, if you're a beginner, you might want to put your money into iShare just because it has a lower stock price. Now, now you should do your own research before you invest in it and not just listen to someone that's speaking on a podcast. That's extremely important. You need to be researching your own information and making sure that you're making the financial decision that is best based on your situation, not someone else's that is speaking through a mic and giving you this information uh, for entertainment purposes, basically. You, the point of this is to, you know, educate people, they can understand, gain some knowledge, and then they can make a decision that is based, that is best 
on their own risk. So now, for example, if you invested in the S&P 500 and if you bought, for example, 10 stocks, 10 of those, that would be almost $40,000, you know? So, so that's why based on price, I would say that the iShares would be better for a beginner investor. And if you're more of a heavy investor or you want to look at diversifying it more, uh, you can. Then the Dow Jones Industrial Average is mostly U.S. And now, you know, you may be thinking, can could an index fund make me really rich? And it won't really make you rich, it, not unless you make a lot of your money at your not So like basically, the more you invest, the more money you would technically make because that's how much risk you're putting into the market. So for example, if I buy one share of an ETF, for example, iShares Core S&P 500 index. So if I'm buying one share, that's around $61 at the time of this recording as the market is open. And so $61 means that, you know, I'm a beginner investor. I don't want to put too much risk in, but I still do want to start investing. So, you know, if you invested more heavily, you would you would get a greater return and that could make you rich in the long term. However, you need to be careful and make sure that you're looking at all these rates and everything and speaking with um, an advisor or someone that is certified in your area. That way you can really get a better knowledge of what to do. You know, they're a great vehicle. Again, I said for long term wealth, of course. And, you know, it's great because you invest this money and it's going to passively grow. And before you know it, it'll be a great return. So let's now, can you lose money in an index fund? I mean, there are few uncertainties in the financial world and you couldn't lose all of its value because they're low risk and they will not make the large gains either, but they will give you a good return. And so other thing is like, you know, is it good for investors to start investing in ETS as a startup? Yeah, it's a good idea because it can give you a good long term. Now, for example, let's talk about a 10 year average return on the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 index originally began in 1926 as the composite index. It only compromised of 90 stocks. And the average annual return since that inception in 1926 through 2018 is approximately 10 to 11 percent. However, what I've seen is that when the market is like this, your return may be a bit lower and it may vary. So that's why it's really, really important to do your research and ask uh, ask someone that is more ask someone that is certified in this financial area. That way they could sort of give you a better idea of if it's really good to if it's really if you can really get a 10% return on this invest on this investment that you're that you would put your money in now these are the two types of canadian index funds so overall when looking at an index fund it is good it's good it is a good way to invest your money and diversify your portfolio depending on the amount of money and risk you're willing to put now the next thing that i'm about to say this is very very important so please listen this is an important message the host of this podcast shares information for entertainment purposes only, so please be sure to do your own research before investing or putting your money anywhere else, anywhere, whether that's in a stock or anywhere. It's your responsibility to do your research with your own money and make sure that you know what risks you're putting. And, you know, all this information that is shared in this podcast 
it's for entertainment purposes only. And while it is to educate people, you need to be smart with your money. You need to make sure that you're speaking to a certified advisor in the financial field or someone that you can trust. Now, anything that I share in this podcast, this is entertainment purposes only. And you should you should be doing your own research to find out more about these two index funds that I invested in, two index funds that I talked about and whether or not they're good to invest in. Well, this wraps up the 17th episode of the Personal Finance Podcast. So hopefully you learned something new and stay tuned for new episodes that are coming soon. And uh, the next episode that we'll be talking about is, should you be investing your money in the top three hot stocks right now? That's a very, very big topic that's going around right now. And, you know, we'll, we'll, well, I'll have my say in the next episode if you should really be investing your money in those three hot stocks right now. You know, we've seen many, many studies about them and many, many articles posted. So, you know, I'll have my thoughts to share in the next podcast. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, feel free to share it with a couple of your friends or and keep enjoying these podcasts. Thanks for listening.